0: Tonight, I'm telling you, tonight is going to be so exciting as we look forward to what we think God has for us in 2015. But but before we move forward and before we look forward, I think it's important that we pause and we take a look back. Because, see, this past year, God has done some unbelievable things. Among us, and as I reflect and as I think back to uh, 2014, uh, there's a few memories that I have, and some of you may share some of these memories. In fact, it was it was this time last year, this time last year, uh, that we went to this little winter retreat called Dig. How many of you went to Dig last year? Yeah, Dig was incredible. It was awesome. And for many of you, it was life changing. And then uh, in the summer, we did something kind of like Dig, only instead of being three days, it was five days. And it was called NTS Camp. How many went to NTS? Yeah, NTS camp was so awesome. So incredible. We're so glad many of you came for that. And not only that, but every single week we've been having M12 on Thursday nights in 2014. And we've gone through all these different series. Uh, Like we did one uh, right around spring break. It was actually right after spring break. And it was called Getting Past Your Past, um, which was good. You know, because for some of you, like, you made a past during spring break, and so we thought, well, let's talk about getting past that past, right? And so we did that for about three weeks, which was fun. And then we did a series over the summer called Red Letter Prayers, where we talked about what it meant to actually pray the words of Jesus. In fact, he actually taught us how to pray, so we spent two weeks there. That was one of my favorite series that we've done. Uh, and then, of course, right when, uh, right when school started back up, we did a series called School Wars. You guys remember that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, where you like you submitted your questions and then we answered them here on stage and some people said I went too far Some people say I didn't go far enough But we answered your questions using scripture to answer those questions and then not just that But we did all these different like major events like right when right when school kind of got back into session We did something called a back to school bash. How many of you were there for that? Yeah, back to school bash. We had a big old glow party in here. I've never seen so many glow sticks being thrown at a lead singer in my entire life. He still has bruises to this day. It was kind of awesome. Uh, I loved it. He didn't, but whatever. It was great. It was fun. And then, then we did something right around Halloween called Halloween Bash. Right? Yeah, we had like, uh, we had a guy up here dressing up as Michael Jackson. We had zombies coming out. We had a costume contest. We had a bunch of candy. And some weirdo dressed up as a Florida Gators fan, (laughs) which I don't know. I don't know why you would ever do that, but whatever. Uh, And then, and then around Christmas time, remember we did that big Christmas party and we gave away some beats, right? You guys remember that? Only the two people that won beats remember that. They're like, oh, I remember it. Because I got them, right? It was awesome. We loved it. We loved it. And not only did we do all these like fun series and events and uh, camps and all different things like that, but, but even more than that, this past year for many of you was life-changing, right? Because, because for some of you in 2014, God started doing things in your life, like, like there were addictions that you once held that are now broken because of what God did in 2014, there were some friendships that God actually restored, and for many of you in this room, for many of you in this room, you made a decision to trust Jesus as your Savior in 2014. It's incredible. In fact, I uh, I was looking over 2014, and this is crazy. Um, but did you know that over 100 students said yes to Jesus in 2014? Over 100 students. <laughs> It was amazing. And for many of you, you're hearing that and you're like, that was me. Like, like I remember doing that. And we actually put together a video of memorable moments from this past year. And if you look closely, I think you might recognize some of them. So let's check it out. so for many of you, you watch that, and, and maybe some of those tweets and some of those Instagram posts were actually yours. And maybe, maybe some of them were your friends, or you remember that picture, or you remember your friend getting baptized, or you remember getting a, a welcome home card. And all of these emotions are stirred up inside of you as you think back to what God actually did in your life last year. And I wish I had time to share all of the stories of what God did, um, but I do have time to share one. And so I want to share this one with you. She writes, For a long period of my life, I stopped going to church. I'd gotten older and my parents had stopped going, so it no longer felt like a requirement. When I was 13, my life changed for the worse. My parents divorced and we lost our house, which led to a lot of emotional damage to the family. I became angry with God. I blamed him for everything that was wrong in my life. I didn't understand why he was doing this to me. I just wanted God to protect me, and I felt so alone. So then I stopped believing in God altogether. Things were hard when I didn't have God in my life. I was so lost and so alone. And for some reason, I thought I'd be okay without God. The last year, last year, one of my friends introduced me to her friends from 12 Stone. I started hanging out with my new group of friends more and more. And then I was invited to come to 12 Stone. Because I didn't really believe in God, I wasn't sure about going, but I figured, why not? There's no harm in just going. Why was I surprised? The atmosphere of 12 Stone was so amazing and so welcoming, and I began to feel God's presence again. I began going to church almost every week, and I loved it. And then came into yes Camp, and that completely changed my life. I formed a real relationship with God, and I finally felt like I was talking to God. I grew closer with my church and closer with God. I surrendered everything to Him because I knew that He had a plan. I knew that as long as I walked by faith and walked with God, I was going to be okay. For the first time in my life, I was going to be okay. And now I've never felt happier. All I want to do is spread the word of God and share how incredible he is with others. I can't even begin to describe the joy and comfort that this church and the people in it give me. I have a home again, and I have a father, and that is God. He is always with me, and I will never doubt him again. I have a reason to live and a reason to strive to be a better person, and that reason is God. Because of God, I can go into the unknown unafraid because I'm saved by him. And see, this is just one story, just one of many stories. And I'm sure if we were to share your story or talk about your story, you would would begin to feel the same emotions. And maybe for you, your story runs parallel to this story. And last year, God did incredible things in your life. And for some reason, whenever we, as we look back to 2014, we start to think about what God did last year, there's this strange question that rises up in us. In fact, anytime there's something great that happens, or you just get done with something incredible, this is the same question that rises up in you. And so as we look back to what God did last year, we can't help but ask this question. So now what? Right? Now what? What? I mean, God did something great last year, and I'm so grateful for what he did, and I'm so thankful for M12, but now what? I mean, is he done? Is that it? Is there more? Now what? And believe it or not, this question right here, now what, is the exact same question that the early disciples wrestled with. And so I want to look together at how they actually responded to this question as they approached it with Jesus. And so we're going to look together in Acts chapter 2. And so you should have a Bible right around you. Go ahead and grab it. We're going to look on page 1092. To Acts chapter 2, there should be a Bible really close to you. You can go ahead and turn there, page 1092. And while you're turning there, I want to give you just a little bit um, of, of, a, of a backdrop of this story as we begin to launch into it. And many of you know this, but but we actually believe that there is a God. We do. And we think that God is so powerful and so incredible that, that, that he actually made everything we see, right? He made you, he made me, he made all the trees outside, all the stars that you see in the sky. Every single thing was actually made by God. And not only is he awe-inspiring and so much bigger than we are, but he actually knows you. And even more than that, he actually loves you. This big, incredible God loves you. And the way that we know that God loves you is that he sent his only son to this planet, See, it was God in human flesh walking among us. And as you can imagine, people were drawn to Jesus, the Son of God, God with human skin walking around. And so they followed him. Many devoted their lives to him. And then at the age of 33, Jesus was falsely accused and sentenced to death on a cross. And his followers, people that gave up everything to follow him, watched as their leader, watched as their Messiah, watched as their king was killed on a cross. They watched as he suffered, they watched as he bled, and finally they watched as he took his last breath. And they thought that was it. They thought, they thought well, this is the end. I mean, here I am, I gave up everything, and now the person that I chose to follow has died. And they had no idea what God was up to. To see, three days later, God did something unexplainable, unbelievable. In fact, many heard about it, and they still didn't believe. There was one disciple that actually wanted proof. He wanted to see it because what they heard was that three days after Jesus died on the cross, he was alive again, resurrected by the power of God. And sure enough, Jesus shows up alive again, walking around with the disciples. And again, whenever you have, you know, if you've got a friend that's really smart, you want to know what they have to say, right? And if you've got a friend that's really smart and he's done a lot of like cool things, you really want to know what he has to say. But if you've got a friend who like rose from the dead, you really want to know what he has to say, right? You're like, bro, tell me more. Like, that's incredible. So as you can imagine, all these disciples came up to Jesus and they were like, Jesus, 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 I saw you die. Like, I know that you died. And yet here you are, you're alive. You got to tell me more. I got to know more. And so, for the next 40 days, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God and about the love of God made available because of the death of his son on the cross. And then, as they're asking Jesus this question, it gets to about day 40, and they're in the middle of asking Jesus this question. He begins to answer this question, and then something strange happens. And this is what Acts says, Acts chapter 1. It says, after he had said this, so he just started answering the question, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Now, This is awkward, okay? I don't know if you get this, but this is really awkward. Like, I don't know if you've ever talked to someone before, and while they're answering your question, they begin to levitate, right? Like, that's strange. That's strange. And that's what happened. And so, like, they're, like, listening to Jesus, and they're like, oh, where's he going? Like, there he goes. And then it says they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. So you got to imagine they're still watching, and Jesus is long gone, and they're still staring into the sky. And the reason they were looking intently is because they were asking the same question. (laughs) They were asking this, well, now what? Now what do we do? I mean, we didn't see the whole resurrection thing coming, but we were so pumped to be on board with Jesus, and he's risen from the dead, and now we're going to follow you, and this is great. Now what do we do? And then this is what happens next, and this is my favorite part of the story, the next verse. It says, suddenly, two men dressed in white stood beside them. Now um, again you got to put yourself in the you know in the shoes of the disciples okay they they're blown away by Jesus they just ask him a question Jesus in mid sentence begins to like re- be raised up into the clouds and then some angels show up okay and so again they like they like show up on the scene and all these men are gathered up and they're like they're like just watching you know they're waiting like Jesus went to go like make some popcorn and he'll be back in a second you know just within, like two minutes like he'll be right back and then some angels show up and they're like What you, uh, hey, what you, uh, what are you guys looking at? And they're like, oh, uh, it's Jesus. He'll be right back. So we're just gonna, we're just gonna wait. He'll be right back. And then finally, you know, the angels had enough. And so they said this they said, oh, okay, listen, listen. Men of Galilee, okay? Like, stop, stop looking up there. Men of Galilee, look at me. Men of Galilee, why, why do you stand here looking into the sky? And if I was there, I'd be like, well, because I don't know what else to do right? I don't know what's next. In other words, well, now what? Now what do we do? And see, what they didn't realize was that God had something incredible in store for them. In fact, there were about 120 men there that day. And in a few short days, God was going to grow that 120 to 3,000. 3,000 people devoted to Jesus. And then he was going to do something even more incredible. See, 2,000 years later, halfway across the globe, there would be people sitting in this room, singing about the name of Jesus. That's what God was going to do. But they had no idea. And so they asked the question, well, now what? I mean, God, I've, I've, I've seen you do incredible things in the past, and obviously you've got something in store for us, but now what? Now what? And I think God's answer to them, God's answer to them, to now what, was that he was going to do something that had never been done before. He was going to launch the church. The bridge between what God had done and what God was going to do was the launching of the church. Now, you may hear that, and uh, maybe in your mind when you think of church, you think of like a temple, you know, or like a really holy place where like when you walk in, you got to take off your hat, and don't cuss in the church, because like God pays attention in the church, but you can do whatever you want outside. But in the church, you know, you better not cuss, right? Like, but God didn't launch that. That's not what God launched. What he launched was the church. And see, the definition that we have for church, I think is a little bit different than the definition That God has. In fact, this is the word that we translate as church. The word is this, ecclesia. Ecclesia. You guys say that real quick. Ecclesia, one more time. Ecclesia. Ecclesia. Now, ecclesia, even though it sounds weird, it sounds fancy, all it means is gathering or group. And so, believe it or not, you actually know what ecclesia means. Because some of you, well, you're on the lacrosse ecclesia, right? Some of you are on the football, Ecclesia. Some of you are on the cheerleading, Ecclesia. Some of you are in the band, Ecclesia. Some of you are in the musical, Ecclesia. But you guys know what Ecclesia means it's just a group, it's just a gathering, it's just a team, it's just a group of people. And what God was saying is, I'm not going to launch a building, I'm not going to launch four walls, I'm not going to launch, you know, a bunch of lights and music and all that, although that's good. But what I'm launching is a gathering of people. I'm launching a group of people that are committed to God. And committed to one another. And then he begins to describe what that ecclesia looks like. And so this is where you turn to. Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 42. And this is what it says. They, so these, these people that just saw Jesus do that, they were staring into the sky. This is what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And fellowship is just a really like fancy word for like, you know, like gathering together, hanging out together and to the breaking of bread. Now, now this one um, for many of you that are like really smart in the room, you see breaking of bread and you're like, oh, like communion. And that's actually not what he's referring to right here. Um, He's not talking about like, you know, when you break the bread and then you got the juice or you got the wine. He's not talking about communion. Um, He's just talking about food. Like, that's it. Like, literally, that's what he's talking about. In other words, you know, it's like the breaking of Mongolian beef um, or like the breaking of Zaxby's chicken. It's the same thing. Okay. So, in other words, they devoted themselves to food, to which I say, amen, right? (laughs) Yes. Like, I'm all about that. So, they devoted themselves to food and to prayer, and then it goes on. It says, everyone, not just some, but everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers, not some, all the believers were together. They were hanging out together. They were in these groups together, and they had everything in common. And here's what that means. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, this is crazy. This means if you were in that ecclesia, and you pull out your phone, and you drop it on the ground like you always do, and the screen shatters like it always does, then your buddy in the ecclesia would be like, oh, I'm sorry, bro. Let me sell my shoes real quick, because you need a new phone. That's what they did. Because they were together. They had everything in common. They said, if you need something, I'm going to sell something. Make sure that you get what you need. And then he goes on. Every day, every day they continued to meet together, hanging out together in the temple courts. They broke bread, which again, we're not talking communion. We're talking food in their homes. And then in case you didn't get it, they ate together awesome, with glad and sincere hearts. In other words, if we were to sum up the early ecclesia, the early church, what it looked like, this is what it looked like. Fellowship, hanging out together. Breaking of bread, which is eating. Everyone was together, they're hanging out together. Everything in common, whatever you need, I got you. Uh, They met together, right? They're meeting together. They broke bread, which again means eat, in their homes. And then in case you didn't get it, they ate together. In other words, in other words, as Luke was describing this early ecclesia, He talked more about eating than prayer. He talked more about eating than prayer and teaching combined. Combined. Because as they were beginning to ask this question, well, now what? Now what do we do? Now what's next? What they didn't realize was that now what? Has more to do with who than with what? Now what has more to do with who than with what? Because, see, it matters who you're with, and it matters who you spend time with. And as I begin to think back to my journey with God, as I begin to think back to my history with God, every major event, every major milestone had someone attached to it, had a person attached to it, had a group attached to it. See, when I was 12 years old, I accepted Jesus as my Savior, and I remember that Matt was the one who led me to Christ. We were actually hanging out together at a, at a uh, weekend retreat, a lot like Dig, and I remember we were f- throwing the football together, and I remember him talking about his love for Jesus. And I thought, if <laughs> like, I want to know who he knows. So Matt led me to Jesus. And then I had a guy named Jeff McCammon. Jeff was my student pastor growing up, and he discipled me. He poured into me. He mentored me, and I would not be who I am today were it not for the three years that I spent with Jeff McCammon. And then when I was 13 a year after I accepted Christ, um, I was actually at, at, at that thing that was a lot like dig. And our leader was a guy named Brett Davis. And uh, Brett, Brett was my leader at the end of the weekend, he, he put out a sheet of paper. And he said, Hey, if you want to stay in touch, um, then uh, then you just like write down your address. Um, and I'll like because, you know, we didn't have phones, Okay, like we had phones, but like we didn't have cell phones, whatever, okay, it's fine. So, um, so he said, if you write down your address, I'll, I'll write you a letter, and we can communicate that way. And so I thought, why not? So I wrote down my address. And this guy who was in college, and I'm 13, I'm in middle school, he wrote me a letter every month, every month. And I remember, um, I remember getting those letters and being overwhelmed. I couldn't wait for the next letter. And, I, you know, I don't know how the people of Ephes- like, like Ephesus felt when they got the letter from Paul. I don't know how Timothy felt when he got the letter from Paul. But I imagine it was pretty similar to how I felt. Because, see, I grew with God because of my connection with Brett. In fact, he went on to mentor me for the next 10 years of my life. This guy that I met, this guy that I did life with. And then when I was in high school, there was a group of, a group of friends I had, a guy named Noah, Brian, uh, George, and Andrew, and we all palled around together, and they were my accountability partners. I was honest with them. They pushed me closer to Christ. I heard them pray, and I wanted to pray like them. I watched them read scripture, and I wanted to read scripture like them. We encouraged one another, and sometimes we got in each other's face to call each other out because that's what I needed. That's what I needed. Because, see, when God launched the church, he knew that you needed people. When God launched the ecclesia, he knew that you couldn't do this alone. In fact, this is in your notes. You can't do life alone. God knew that. I mean, mean, as hard as you may try, as much as you may want to, you can't do life alone. You could come here with the best intentions, and you could love the music, and you could raise your hands, and you could love the teaching. But if you're not connecting with someone, if you're not doing life with someone who loves Jesus, then it's just not going to work. It's not going to work. In fact, in fact, if, if, if you come here and all you do is you sit in a row, but you never connect in a group, you never connect with someone else, then I guarantee you in a month you'll be gone. And I don't say that to be mean or to be rude, but I say that because I've seen it happen. And I've seen students so like pumped to be here every single week, but because they never connect with anyone, they leave. And the reason that breaks my heart is because I know you can't do life alone and you definitely cannot do your faith alone. See, God often encourages you through other people. God often calls you out through other people. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed how, like, sometimes, like, like, you really need some comfort, and maybe you pray to God, like, God, would you comfort me? God, would you comfort me? God, would you comfort me? And then all of a sudden, your friend shows up, and they say something to you, and then you, like, break down and cry, and you're so thankful, and your friend's like, all I said was, hey, you know? And they're, like, they're like freaking out. But the thing is, God knew that you needed someone, because you can't do life alone. And so he brings his encouragement. He brings his love. And sometimes he brings his discipline through other people. You need other people, and that's why God launched the ecclesia. because it's not about a building, it's about a group of people, it's about a gathering. And so as I look back to 2014, and I think about all that God did last year, all that God began among us, and I look forward to 2015, at what I believe God will do next, I think his next for us is the same next that he gave to the early church. In other words, I think God's vision for M12 is groups, ecclesias, gatherings, people meeting together. And we actually have two different kinds of those. We have uh, connection groups and life groups. And some of you may have thought that connection groups and life groups were kind of random, but they were very, very specific. So I want to talk about these for a second. Connection groups meet after the service, so the service usually goes till about 8:10, and then from 8:10 to about 8:30, we meet in these connection groups. And there's a reason that we advertise M12 as 7 to 8:30 because the service does not end at 8:10. Part of the service is you being in a connection group because you can't do life alone, and it's not enough for you to uh, stand here or sit here uh, in a row. Instead, you need to be in a circle with someone else. And in that connection group, the whole purpose, the whole idea of that connection group is that you would begin making connections, making friendships with other people, because you need people. In fact, you need each other. And that's why in that group, you're going to find people of your same grade and gender, and you're also going to find adults. And these adults care so much for you. They love you, and we'll talk about them in just a second. But the next thing I want to talk about is life groups. Connection groups meet every single uh, night, regardless of of when we're meeting. Life groups are semester-based groups. These last for 12 weeks, and we launch them every February and every September. And these are where real life change happens. This is where God begins to do work inside of you. Because you may hear something here, and it may be inspiring to you, but God begins to change your life in the presence of other people. And so in these life groups, you share honestly with one another. In these life groups, you hold each other accountable. In these life groups, you pray for one another. In these life groups, this is the example of the ecclesia. This is the church. The church is when you meet with other people. And that's what these life groups are. In fact, I talked to, uh, I talked to a few students over the past couple weeks, students that I would say, um, like, they get it. Students who read Scripture, students who are obedient to Christ, students who love God and who are engaged in worship. And so I'm looking at these students that get it, and I asked them one simple question, and I didn't lead them. I just asked them this question. I said, so why do you get it? Like, why, why do you read Scripture? Why do you, why do you believe this stuff? Why is your life different? And every student I asked said the exact same thing. I didn't prompt them. I didn't lead them. And they said the exact same thing. And here's what they said. Well, I guess it's when I, it's when I stopped hanging out with these people. And then I started hanging out with these people. Well, you know, I guess, I guess my life changed when, when like I started leaning into my group at M12. You know, I guess I guess my life changed when, when I started to get different friends every time because you can't do life alone. And the people that you surround yourself with are going to have a tremendous impact in your life. In fact, your friends around you are going to make your faith flourish or make it fail, which is why ecclesias, why these life groups are so important. And these groups meet before the service from 6 to 6.45, and I know that some of you hear that and you're like, wait, that's another commitment. That's another thing I've got to do. Parents, some of you hear that and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to get my kid here earlier. That's, that's, that, that's more of a time commitment. And I know that for some of you, that's inconvenient. But I want you to know this, okay? We don't want to fill your calendar. We want to fill your life. And we wouldn't ask this of you if we didn't see it as of the utmost importance. And that's why I believe God's vision for 2015 isn't this service. It's groups. It's life groups. This is where your life begins to change. This is where God begins to do things in you that you never thought possible. In fact, I don't know if you noticed this, but the story that I read earlier has Ecclesia written all over it. Ecclesia was the thing that changed her life. And so what I want to do is I want to, I want to reread this story to you, but I want to emphasize a few things that maybe you didn't notice the first time you heard it because it shows the power of how the ecclesia, the group, the gathering, changed her life. She said, for a long period of life, I stopped going to church. I'd gotten older and my parents had stopped going, so it no longer felt like a requirement. When I was 13, my life changed for the worse. My parents divorced and we lost our house, which led to a lot of emotional damage to the family. I became angry with God. I blamed him for everything that was wrong in my life. I didn't understand why he was doing uh, this to me. I just wanted God to protect me, and I felt so alone. You can't do life alone, and she felt it. So then I stopped believing in God altogether. Things were hard when I didn't have God in my life. I was lost and so alone. And for some reason, I still thought I would be okay without God. And then last year, listen, Last year, one of my friends introduced me to her friends from 12 Stone. And I started hanging out with my new group of friends more and more. That's an Ecclesia, that new group. Then I was invited to come to 12 Stone because I didn't really believe in God, I wasn't sure, Uh, I uh, I wasn't sure about going, but I figured why not, no harm in just going, and wow, was I surprised, the atmosphere of 12 Stone was so amazing, and so welcoming, and I began to feel God's presence again, and then I began going to church, ecclesia, every week, getting in a group, every week, and I loved it, for the first time in my life, I knew I was going to be okay, Now I've never been happier. All I want to do is spread the word of God and share how incredible he is with others. And then she says this, I can't even begin to describe the joy and comfort that this church, ecclesia, and the people in it, the ecclesia, give to me. See, God used a group to change her life. And maybe, maybe this year, God wants to use a group to change your life. And so my challenge to you, My hope for you, my prayer for you, knowing that you can't do life alone and knowing that the people that you surround yourself with will either make your faith flourish or fail, my hope for you is that you would sign up for a life group. And the good news for you is that life group signups begin today. After the service is done, you're going to head to your connection groups. And in your connection groups, there's an opportunity for you to sign up for a life group. And I'm telling you, it can change your life. That's how God changed my life. That's how God changed her life. And maybe, maybe that is the way that God will begin to change your life. Because see, now what? It's far more to do with who than with what. So let me pray for you. God, I love these students. And I have a a burden for them. I am... uh, I'm not their parents, but I care so deeply for them. And I want them to have the life that you have intended for them to have a life free of regret, a life of wise decisions, where they look back and they see the kindness and the grace of God. And God, you and I know that that happens in community with other people, in groups. And so I pray that for the students that are hesitant about joining a group, maybe the students that are a little nervous, I pray that you would give them boldness to make that step and to trust you in a group. Maybe students that have never reached out to other people before, I pray that that would begin to happen. And I pray that they would recognize that the adult leaders in their group care so deeply for them. These adult leaders have given up so much and they sacrifice every week to be here because they love them so much. And so God, I pray that these students would say yes to you and be a part of the ecclesias that meet every single Thursday from 6 to 6.45. God, I thank you personally for the people that you brought into my life. I would not be the same without them. You use them to encourage me. You use them to call me out. You use them to make my life better. You use them to grow my faith in you, and I am indebted to them. And I pray that these students 10 years, 15, 20 years from now would be able to say the same thing as they look back and say, I guess it started when I began hanging out with this group of people and God began to change my life. Would you make that happen tonight?